Welcome to Living on Crypto with BitRefill, and today I am interviewing the awesome, wonderful Dresden Martinez, uh, an El Salvadorian living in the United States. Um, and yeah, to start us off, um, really, with this video, please tell me, what do you do right now in your life? That's a good place to, to get us kicking. Yeah, sure, sure, certainly. And and thanks for having me, Lawrence. It's a, it's a, a pleasure to be here uh, with you. Um, so I guess in short, um, what I do uh, professionally is I'm, I'm a Bitcoin miner. Uh, so I'm, I have a small business um, whereby I mine Bitcoin all over North America and, you know, uh, expanding into South America uh, soon. Um, but uh, yeah, in short, that that's my in in terms of my professional life. That's what I what I do. I'm also a father of two young girls here in the states, um, and I have a wonderful uh, wife here as well. Um, but I also, that I should say that um, a part of my one of my biggest responsibilities right now is uh, is actually being at home with my three year old. Our, our youngest daughter's three. She's not in school yet, so we decided that uh, this year I would you know stay home and uh, and be a dad. You know during the those years that are probably the most important, right? So uh, that's another big, uh, important element to my to my life. So I have uh, I have the the benefit of of you know being able to be a present, you know, dad, which is something that a lot of us didn't maybe didn't didn't get to enjoy for for a variety of different reasons, right? Um, so yeah, so that's a little bit about uh, uh, what I'm up to right now. Oh, awesome, thanks, man. Like uh, yeah, family man and a Bitcoin miner and living on Bitcoin as well. But we'll get to that, I guess. First off. Uh, what I really want to kind of understand is mm -hmm. like your life before Bitcoin, right? Like, because uh, obviously now you're you're here mining Bitcoin, living pretty much on Bitcoin. How did you get there? So, like, I guess mm -hmm. first, like, what what were you doing like, professionally before Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. And then, like, talk me through how you got to this point where you discovered Bitcoin and kind of what happens at that point. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, so um, actually, let me start a little bit further b before, you know, my professional life. So as you mentioned, um, I'm Salvadoran. My parents were uh, born in El Salvador, um, and they actually emigrated uh, 40 years ago, close to 40 years ago uh, from, from El Salvador to the States uh, during the, the Civil War in El Salvador. So, um, you know, some of your listeners might be, might be aware that uh, El Salvador had about a decade-long, uh, really violent, um, really a uh, uh, you know, destructive civil war. Uh, my parents left the country during that time. Um, they came, they had me here. Um, and I was raised partly in El Salvador, partly in the States. So I traveled um, between the two places when I was young. Um, and uh, I look, you know, just like a lot of young people uh, born of uh, immigrants or Salvadoran immigrants here, I was really lucky, you know, because of their sacrifices to get some of the opportunities that they never had, right? Like going to college. Um, so I was fortunate enough to go to college here in the States. Um, I studied math and economics. Um, I was always really interested in in how the world, um, how we get prices, you know, of things. Like, for example, I was always curious, like the thing that 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 was always curious to me is like, when I would drive past a gas station, I would say, who decided that it's you know, three cents more today than it was yesterday, you know, that kind of thing uh, was really uh, always like intriguing to me. So anyway, I, I went to, to college, I studied math and economics. And then actually, uh, my my first job right out of college was uh, at an investment bank, I started a career uh, in capital markets, I worked for Morgan Stanley uh, in New York. Um, I was just super, super fortunate to land um, at, at 
at what I perceived at the time, you know, to kind of be the the center of the universe of the at least of the financial world. Um, you know, 22 years old in 2008, I was uh, that was the dream, I guess. I, I didn't know any better at the time, uh, but I have to say, I I realized. I started to learn really quickly what the reality of that lifestyle was um, of working at a, at a, you know, bulge bracket firm like that in particular um, through the financial crisis of 2008, which it turns out we caused, right. Um, all this kind of pain and suffering in the United States and, and, and abroad was really, you know, uh, um, the responsibility of, of the banking system, right. Which I was a part of. Um, and actually, during that time, I actually also learned, this was in my 20s, right? I, I started to learn about the history of the financial industry and its impact on El Salvador, right? Like the financial sector, you know, financed one, one side of the civil war that pushed my parents out of their country, right? So when I started to learn some of this stuff, it really impacted me and I, and I, uh, after about five years in the industry, I decided I couldn't be a part of it anymore. I didn't, I didn't want to be a part of it uh, anymore. So I left um, to pursue uh, things that I thought were more um, valuable to humanity. So I spent eight years in uh, nonprofit work and education work here in the States. Uh, my wife happens to be an educator. So I, I followed her into the kind of education and nonprofit realm for about eight years. Um, you know, thinking that uh, uh, doing nonprofit work um, hopefully yields a more fair world, you know, hopefully results in a more fair world than the one that we currently live in. Um, uh, but even that, you know, I think fa I found some real headwinds and some real frustrations um, in working in the in the nonprofit, you know, kind of the fiat based nonprofit realm. Um, and I guess, uh, look, because because I because of my um, background in capital markets, I was always interested in kind of emergent technologies. Right. I was always paying attention, even though I had left the industry, I was always paying attention to emergent uh, technologies. And when I first heard about Bitcoin, I was just curious, right? I'm like, what, you know, what is this exotic little, you know, thing that you could now hold as part of a portfolio? You know, I, I wasn't, look, I'm not a coder. I'm not a developer. I, I, I don't write any, I can't write a single line of code. So I didn't understand Bitcoin from the kind of the censorship resistance, privacy protecting, you know, uh, uh, if, if used properly, um, you know, type of technology. Um, I was looking at it more as a financial asset because that's my background, right? Um, however, as with anyone who spends time, you know, learning about Bitcoin, you suddenly realize just how, um, uh, meaningful how 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 uh, important you know this technology is in particular for people who have never had um a fair shake you know at building wealth or who have been far far away from the money spigots right that um uh those who who are really close to those money spigots get get to exploit right so um so i i learned about bitcoin um uh i started i should say i should start i started learning about bitcoin um, as, as a, as a personal kind of hobby, I, I really have to say, I didn't have a friend or a family member or an acquaintance who told me about it. I actually kind of, uh, learned, I started kind of my formal education through, uh, free college courses that were beginning to be offered at Wharton at the university of Pennsylvania, 
um, I, there was suddenly, a, 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 I think it was 2018, when there was a course called Bitcoin and Blockchain. And it was like seven hours long. I, I took that course and I started going down the rabbit hole, right? Read all the books that we are now, you know, all, all, they're all, you know, uh, canonical texts in, in, in the space. Um, and I would say that um, the real turning point to where I became a person who started to live closer and closer to like a Bitcoin standard sort of Bitcoin only type of life um, came uh, the year of the pandemic in 2020. So when, um, when the pandemic hit uh, in March, uh, and we saw, you know, all of these effects uh, in in uh, global capital markets. Um, my first reaction through the summer of 2020 was to say, "Wait a minute, I've I've seen this movie before. I think I know what's going to happen from a government, you know, monetary and fiscal policy response." And sure enough, um, that's precisely what we saw. So um, I, I think at that point, I started to realize, "Wait a minute." I I know what's at stake here. I wanted to devote the rest of you know my my life, my career, you know, to supporting the Bitcoin network. So that's when I made my transition into you know, and, and I started to to uh, uh, I, I began to mine uh, Bitcoin, um, and that further pushed me in the direction of operating effectively exclusively on a Bitcoin standard because now, as a miner, my income became, you know, Bitcoin denominated. I was no longer, you know, or I mean, I'm sorry, I did have a job at the time and my job paid me in fiat, but my mining operation paid me in Bitcoin, right? And so I started to exercise that muscle at a time where I was still, you know, earning fiat, uh, um, but I started to taste a little bit and I could compare the two, you know, I could compare the two modes of living, you know, one which was, entirely dependent on my kind of centralized gatekeepers and 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 you know uh uh folk, folks who control who writes my paycheck and that kind of thing versus the other system which was purely just a a, a um a transfer of electricity to money to sound money right um and so i really became i think a, i don't addicted is a strong word but i i became really excited by what this felt like, you know, suddenly I was like, wait a minute, if I arrange my life properly, I can, if I can, I can um, make sure that the way that I put food on the table for my family is, is a direct result of the Bitcoin network is to centralize, you know, global uh, uh, network of, of, of people, right. Who are, uh, you know, supporting this network. There's no single person in there who can say, no, you don't get a paycheck in two weeks or no, you don't get a raise. You know, I really loved that, that um, idea, you know, of freedom from in, in that realm. Right. Um, and so I, over the course of 2020 and, and, and 2021, I made the decision to step away from what would be my last job uh, in kind of the fiat world and devote all of my, you know, attention and energy and resources uh, to helping uh, uh, support the mining industry, uh, in particular as a Salvadoran, as a Latin American, um, who can who can hopefully, you know, connect 
some of the North American mining industry to the region of Latin America, and in particular, El Salvador, where, where my family's from. So today I find myself in this place where, um, and I think this is, you know, this is kind of what we want to talk about a little bit, uh, find myself in this place where all of my income, because I no longer have a salary somewhere, you know, all of my, my, my income, my business income is, is in Bitcoin. And so I denominate by default in Bitcoin. Um, and all of my expenses now can be paid in Bitcoin. Um, uh, and, and we can talk a little bit about, you know, how, how that, how that functions, but, um, but yeah, that's a little bit about my transition. Sorry if that was a little long-winded. No, super interesting, man. It's just me. I, I think there's some stuff I'd like to ask you about the mining, but I'll I'll, I'll put that towards the end uh, in case sure. you don't have the, the time. Because like what I'm I kind of interested in here is so say you've gone from this traditional finance uh, position, you know, being the enemy or whatever. Uh, if you're being a super bitcoiner about it, and then you've moved to sort of earning fiat and kind of mining and understanding bitcoin as more of a hobby slash side income and kind of saving in Bitcoin. And then you've gone to that full end of earning and saving in Bitcoin, essentially. Um, so it's right. quite an interesting uh, development in your life. Like when, obviously when you've gone from earning fiat and saving Bitcoin, at that point, you're probably like a lot of people, um, yeah, just putting aside your Bitcoin, you know, uh, not spending it many, many of any sats uh, and only spending fiat, which is quite common. But you've mm -hmm. you've moved into that realm now of, of earning in Bitcoin. So you've inevitably got to spend Bitcoin Otherwise, you That's can't right. survive. Uh, so right. <laughs> like, I'd be interested to find out, like, um, how was it to transition to that at first? Like, did it take quite a lot of research and planning? And like, what various, because obviously, I imagine when, I don't know if it, how much often you visit El Salvador, but like, obviously, you're probably going to bounce between the US and El Salvador some amount of time during the year. So how mm -hmm. is it like living in the US? How, how is it easier or harder, like, you know, when you're traveling to live on, on Bitcoin? Be interested to hear about that, that transition, how it went. How you're doing it and then how it works like moving between countries yeah yeah certainly okay so so with respect to the the transition let's say uh to moving from from you know from as you as you correctly identify you know bitcoin saving to kind of bitcoin saving earning and spending right um i, I like i said i i began to exercise that muscle when i first began to mine um, uh, Bitcoin, because I, uh, first of all, that was the first time that I wasn't earning fiat and then, you know, sending fiat to an exchange to buy Bitcoin, because that's the only way I knew how at the time. So I went from, you know, take fiat, convert it to Bitcoin to literal just, you know, uh, 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 receipt of, uh, of of Bitcoin, you know, straight out of the, the hashing process. Um, it was a, I, I would, like I say, I, I sort of like an ex, a muscle that you had to exercise and get accustomed to over the course of a month, three months, six months, one year, just to get, get a sense for, okay, this is how much hash power I own. Or you know how much hash, how, how much uh, you know ASIC uh, uh, mining hardware I've I've invested in, and and how much it's yielding me. Um, it, it, it takes some time, you know, to to get accustomed to that before you you get comfortable with the notion of okay, now I'm going to give up my salary, you know, and fully transition over here. So so for me personally, it had to do with. Um, uh, I, I did a, a it wasn't so much of a back of the envelope calculation. I spent a lot of time thinking this through, but I, I, I figured out, okay, how much hash rate do I need to buy? How many ASICs to put it in a different way? You know, how, how, how many ASICs do I need to own 
to produce a certain amount of Bitcoin at, at the current network, you know, hash rate, such that I could replace my income, right? Or, or, or replace a really meaningful portion of my income at least. So first I understood what that number was, right? What, what, whatever that investment amount would have to be. Um, and then I kind of created a plan to, to, to get there, you know, over, over time. Um, and this was, again, this math or the, I, I guess this analysis I was doing it as an employee, you know, of my previous, you know, in my previous career. And I was beginning to kind of build up that mining, you know, infrastructure and, 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 and mining, you know, hardware position um, while I was still working, because of course I wasn't going to just quit my job and start, you know, figuring it out afterward. I wanted to make sure that what I was, what I was doing month by month, I would reannualize, you know, re uh, reassess and, and, and extrapolate again over 12 months to see if, if this is what it, what it is. Now, let me be clear, or let me, let me um, highlight here that this was um, still in a kind of a fiat ish mindset, right? Because I'm like, Hmm, how many dollars equate, you know, how, how, how much, how many dollars am I going to have at the end of the year? Not how much Bitcoin am I going to have at the end of the year? So admittedly, when I tiptoed into this, I was still thinking in fiat terms um, because it's scary, right? You, you earn in fiat, you've earned in fiat your entire life. And you want to make sure that this year or next year, you have more fiat coming in than you have uh, or more fiat than, than you had the previous year. Um. And and as as this process, as I went through this process, I gradually kind of was able to shift my mindset and say, like, no, no, it's not, it's it's of course, if, if, as long as I can meet my basic needs, you know, and 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 put food on the table and and cover the the the, the expenses that we have, um, um, of course, that's that's issue number one. Otherwise, I you know, I I can't just gamble with the resources that I need to put food on the table. But um, beyond that, it became a matter of just as as simply as you know stacking sats right as as we say um when i started to realize the real goal here is to stack sats not to stack more fiat then i could start to shift all of my spending habits and and, and think through my investment kind of a, a plan you know for for uh, uh, building a mining business um so that was a little bit it was i guess what i'm trying to describe here is not just some like light bulb moment and you know one a switch from one day to the next it was a gradual process that i had to get comfortable with but like with anything and i keep using this analogy of exercising a muscle um as with anything as you exercise that muscle as you get more comfortable as that muscle gets stronger it becomes psychologically much more easy, you know, to to submit to or to 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 adopt, you know, the 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 mindset and just move forward. And and so, um, of course, uh, as we all know, the 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 back end of 2021, you know, uh, I'm sorry, about a year ago, right, was our our kind of fiat uh, uh, peak or, or or in terms of fiat value of the Bitcoin that we all hold. Um, and so the this year has been this kind of real test of that mentality, right? It's like, are you still in it to stack sets, to have more Bitcoin today than I had yesterday? And for those of us, you know, who who I think have begun to think in this kind of Bitcoin standard sort of way, the answer is, yeah, if, I, if I'm able to have more Bitcoin today than I had yesterday, more Bitcoin tomorrow than I had today, then I'm doing the right thing because that's what my kind of ultimate um, goal is. Uh, uh, so it, it, it was, it was, it was a bit of a transition, um, not something that happened overnight, but, uh, something that I'm, I'm more and more comfortable with every day. I would put it that way. 
I understand that, man, because like it's um, it's scary. Let's be realistic. It's still scary for me because I I try yeah. and I'm still not fully. You know, I'm I'm sort of shifting slowly towards yeah. a. Uh, a bitcoin sort of standard but it, it's tough like it's never easy because you see the price drop suddenly and you think you know i feel comfortable over five years having my but then you think i maybe i don't feel comfortable over six months or a year you know suddenly what if i have to pay a deposit on a blah blah blah, yep. blah and yep. there's all these 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 worries that go through your head so it can be difficult um so it's it's definitely not an easy task but it's probably and, the right for, certainly, and, and and I would also say that um at, at least at least in my experience, and and I think with with the, an overwhelming majority of us who aren't, let's say, if if you come to Bitcoin from like a philosophical, you know, kind of ideological place first, let's say you're an ANCAP, you know, an anarcho-capitalist or a libertarian or something, you're not necessarily thinking about like number go up technology right you're 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 in it for your you're 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 exploring it for the ideolo for ideological reasons let me be clear again going back to when my kind of education began it wasn't necessarily you know that for me i was coming at it from this kind of very fiat like is this going to make my you know net worth grow sort of mindset but the deeper i went down the path and the more committed i became to this kind of like bitcoin like you know bitcoin kind of standard lifestyle it completely changed my motives for being involved in the industry, right? It's not about profit, fiat profitability. It's about strengthening and participating in the, I think, the most exciting freedom technology that we've ever seen. And freedom is something I care deeply about, you know? Uh, um, so so I think that's a really beautiful uh, transition that I see a lot of Bitcoiners make over time, right? You start to espouse the values that bitcoin um you know brings to the to the to the table um that oftentimes we don't begin with those values maybe we don't bring we don't necessarily hold those values at first but once we learn about learn bitcoin um then then we end up discovering those values and 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 spending bitcoin is participating in the economy right in in, in the you know the bitcoin ecosystem um and 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 supporting the network overall so i think it is an important you know uh, uh aspect of being a bitcoiner is, is spending bitcoin using it Okay, and so what? What various? So what various? Because obviously, it's one thing people want to know. Um, what various tools are you using for like? Because I imagine you're not just using one thing or one company, or whatever. You're probably going to use a few. So, what various tools do you use that people who are interested yeah. in doing the same that you've done, or at least try to go towards that direction, could use? That's probably the, yeah. the main. Thing. And then, I guess, what's been the biggest challenge, like uh, about it all for you? Yeah. Um, for me, it's in, in my, uh, uh, so I, I guess there's kind of two categories to it. Um, as a business, um, you know, we, uh, from a business perspective, and I, I live in the States, so I, you know, I have to uh, adhere to kind of the U.S. tax code and such. Um, I uh, use pretty standard American tools for accounting and then um, and, and tax planning. Um, so, you know, not uh, software that some of your uh, listeners have probably heard about, things like uh, TaxBit. Again, I'm talking about the the, the business side of things, right? Um, there's a, a there's a platform called TaxBit. There's several other um, uh, uh, tools for uh, tax I'm management. Yeah, yeah. Um, ta ta TaxBit is a platform that allows you, uh, for example, it allows me to connect my mining pool account to uh, uh, through API through my tax to, to my TaxBit account. So every single day, I can see the cost basis of my mined Bitcoin, so that I can properly account for it in my accounting system, uh, which then I report to the government. Right. So uh, that's a really important tool for me. Or or there, there's a 
there's a and a, there's a bunch of them, but um, uh, Taxbit is a really important tool that I've been using since I began mining because it is really it can be really hard um, without the proper tools to account for the the value of your mined Bitcoin, your income, right? Um, and then and then to be you know to be able to report it properly, uh, uh, you know, to the IRS. Um, on the personal side, um, my because I don't I don't take a salary from my business, right? Uh, at least this this year I chose not to. Um, and I, uh, I, I on my personal side, I you know I do use um, you know we we use a, a charge card, and I've I've just I've used a charge card for a long time. Um, you know the type of card that doesn't allow you to pay over time. You know so you don't carry a carry a a, a balance. Look, I, I I'm not a huge like debt guy you know I, I know there's like the michael sailors of the world who's like hey lever up borrow to buy bitcoin and uh or you know borrow fiat to to, to buy bitcoin i'm I, I see a lot uh i i, I just I, to each his own but um uh but i'm not i'm not a big uh uh debt guy I'm so i <laughs> so so i i do use a charge card which i do pay off every month and this is where i do want to highlight um bit refill uh bit, bit refill when they uh and i don't know when it was i let's say six months ago bit refill um uh recently linked a lot of different you know american uh and, and perhaps foreign um uh credit card companies and charge card companies to their platform so i can now pay my um my fiat you know american express balance in bitcoin directly right um through the lightning network or on chain, which is phenomenal. Like that to me was a huge piece that was previously missing from my ability to exist only or to, to, to conduct commerce only on Bitcoin, because I can go out and buy a cup of coffee or buy my groceries or buy whatever in fiat because they don't accept lightning payments at my grocery store. Um, but I can come home and pay that lightning, I'm sorry, pay, pay that balance with sats directly from a you know a, a cold stored wallet or, or wherever I, I have my my bitcoin um so that integration for me was game changing because i have a very simple personal you know situation where i i, I don't have a whole lot of balances um that i have to pay on you know of other types of things i i do have some expenses that i cannot you know uh, pay in bitcoin so of course i do have a bank account but I keep a very low balance in there. I fund it when I need to, which these are all points of friction that are really annoying, right? Like having to send Bitcoin, uh, you know, to an exchange to convert it to fiat, to pay the pay a bill. That process takes days, right? And um, and it's not without friction or costs. So it's super annoying. And every time, by the way, every time I have to do that, it's yet another reminder of why I'd rather live on a Bitcoin standard, right? Because I can transact instantly and and with finality on on uh, on Bitcoin, um, whereas I cannot. And and every fiat transaction is a reminder of that, um, you know, of, of how uh, uh, rough and costly the the traditional kind of payment rails are. Yeah, hey, I can I can definitely agree with and attest to that. I mean, like for me, for example, from the UK, um, I'm from the UK, I work with a company based out of Sweden and previously New Zealand at the same time as Sweden and Brazil. I live in Brazil. 
it's a whole mind <laughs> mindfuck, you know. And and so having the ability to earn in, in Bitcoin makes life a lot easier. Except right now, there's things like the visa concerns, taxes that I need to work out. So I've had to switch yep. back to fiat for the time being. And so that yeah. can be really like that, that whole working out the tax side of things. And then like again with it, like I have to earn a certain amount for my visa in Brazil and da 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 da. Like all these yeah. things. And then I've got my money stuck in the UK. Like and it's an absolute nightmare. So you just it, it makes you realize when you're doing this kind of situation whether by force, whether by choice, whatever. Um, if you're living between two countries or spending a lot of time between two countries or three countries or, or anything like that, then immediately you run into a shit ton of problems, pains, annoyances, constantly watching, you know, prime ministers resign, UK pound go down, <laughs> the only thing, you know, and, and I'm not in that country. And, and then, you know, as you say, there's this constant fees for the exchanges. If I want to pay a bill here, I have to use picks but to, i can't do that but like, if i want to put my pounds into my picks account that's a real hassle so i have to put through an exchange to sell into that but i have to have a tax number like it's just yep. a nightmare uh, it is anything it is. especially with brazil because it's not so designed for foreigners really uh compared right. to other countries so yeah it's a complete nightmare there's so many workarounds you have to do and i'm blessed that i have a tax number because i had a business here previously otherwise i'd be mm -hmm. screwed so um yeah yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that that friction is, you know, I, I I don't know what percentage of the world, and it's probably a growing percentage, but you know, what fraction of the world deals with, you know, uh, um, uh, cross border payments or or uh, or you know, residency, you know, uh, in, in in various places at various times. But for those of us who do, you know, deal in different jurisdictions, this is a, an absolutely game changing, you know, mode of of, of commerce. Um, as as you mentioned earlier, I I, uh, I I spend a lot of time in El Salvador. I've I've I have an entity in El Salvador, um, starting to make some uh, equity investments uh, in in El Salvador as well. And just the the uh, the ability to transfer value, you know, across these borders um, instantly is. It's just is hard to describe. How do you put a you know a number uh, or a value on the amount of stress and frustration and opportunity cost of having your money stuck in a different jurisdiction because you haven't jumped through enough hoops to try to get it out for whatever it is, whatever purpose it is that you want, right? It's your your own money, um, but it's it's an incredible you know it, it can be an incredibly frustrating experience you know to to move around resources if you're in in different countries and you know bitcoin allows you to do that if, with without any friction and um and in particular in el salvador in a country that is uh um kind of leaning really hard you know into a bitcoin kind of standard uh, uh sort sort of framework it's 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 incredible you know to to be able to have that that um that ability um and and then as a business person as well to to leverage the regulatory framework that's being developed in El Salvador you know as a bitcoin company um is 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 huge right so um so yeah it's this is also a a, a technology and a monetary network that i think makes digital nomads you know lives so 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 much uh uh, uh easier right um and just at the end of the day gives you gives you domain over your wealth regardless of where you physically are or where you're you know um where you have to, to, to be living, which is again, um, for some is maybe just an inconvenience or a, or a, or even a non-issue because you don't leave your country. But for many many folks, this is this is this is huge, right?
Yeah, and this is the thing for friends who are in the UK or the US and they're happy just doing like the more ordinary thing. They don't need to worry really right now. Um, but for, right. for those in countries where the currency is getting heavily devalued, they all probably need to worry. And for those who are in the UK or US, but then decide down the road they want to break the mold and do something different, suddenly it becomes a major issue. And that's when they seem to have to. You know, I've got friends who uh, had not much interest in crypto, kind of interested, but didn't really want to bother looking into it too much. Fair enough. Um, but then as soon as he's decided he might want to leave the country, it's like, oh, now I should really look into this. You know, it's like suddenly. Mm -hmm. Anything that breaks yep. the mold, you got to look into it. Um, so I definitely find that, yeah, that's a, an interesting experience that I had, and and and, and obviously you've you've had as well. I guess um, yeah. before we wrap up, um, I definitely want to dig in more, but we we probably haven't got time. So I've got one question for you to to quickly answer, which is, uh, what would be something uh that would complete make make life even easier for you? Like, what's one thing you're wishing for living on a, a Bitcoin standard? I guess a service or anything really that you think would like, oh, that's a big difference maker. Um, oof, uh, I, I guess it is, it's, it's like, it's, it's one thing, but it's like, it's like a, it's a very big thing, I guess. It, um, as a look as, as a person who still has to move around in a predominantly fiat world, I would love to see more lightning integration at the merchant level, at the commercial level, right? Um, in, in a country like El Salvador, there are companies, um, building out, uh, uh, lightning infrastructure for merchants right um evex mercado comes to mind bit refill uh an app called tianki app which is a, a new plat uh, merchant solutions platform on on uh, on bitcoin and lightning um there's so much development for the so that the normal person who has some sats can go out and buy groceries or buy uh, pay their electricity bill or pay their mortgage or whatever um, on Bit with Bitcoin here in the states, we don't have that, right? We it's 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 so sparse and so um, uh, uh, rare still, you know, to to be able to 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 have that light lightning integration everywhere. So um, here in the states, I would love to see that. Like I said, it's just, it's one thing, but it's a huge one. Um, just uh, uh, and and I remember at the Bitcoin conference uh, earlier this year in 2022, um, you know, Jack Mahler's made some announcements about partnering with some POS systems, I believe. Um, and that was really exciting. I think that would be the kind of thing that if if it if 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 it, as it took hold, it would take Bitcoin um, adoption to a totally different level, and it would make my life way easier, right? Because there's just less steps. I could I could eventually cancel out my Amex, so nobody has to pay them. 3% merchants don't have to pay them 3%. Um, and we could just operate, you know, on, on, a, uh, on a lightning and, and okay, yeah, sorry, we, uh, we got cut off there due to connection issues. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I get your point around um, having lightning. And, and that does seem like a big thing for me, uh, lightning being able to be spent in, in more retailers, like when I went to El Salvador, uh, for adopting Bitcoin, the first one round to so November 2021. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a big thing that was just stuck out to me as like, hey, I can just, you know, the currency I prefer, I can just boom, spend it like instantaneously. Mm -hmm. uh, any of these mm -hmm. like, you know, stores I'm going to uh, El Punto or, you know, Azonte. So that was a really cool experience for me. Yeah. Um, and it made life so much more simple coming from another country. Um, so yep. I think that's a good point. And I think for me, like my one thing would be, um, like, uh, in addition to that, uh, probably would be the taxation situation, like having having governments just accept that Bitcoin is a form of currency and like it's okay mm -hmm. to pay in that or make it easier, I don't know, somehow for us to pay in Bitcoin or something like that, that'd make my life a lot mm -hmm. simpler, I think, because that seems to be yeah. the, the big issues seem to crop up a, 
taxation, like doing your taxes and, you know, you've got to do the tax when you earn the income in Bitcoin, you've got to pay the tax on the income. And then you also, when you sell it, you then got to pay your capital gains. You consider that too. So it's another step mm-hmm. of complexity that you just don't want. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, one, what yeah. I definitely, I, I know I said we had yeah, one more exactly. question, one more question there, but, um, you know, another one more question, um, which I would like to ask is just around uh, your mining setup. Because uh, obviously we've been through, you know, how you got here, why you got here, how you're doing it, living it, and what you'd like to see as an improvement. So just kind of dial us back to that kind of how you got here situation. With the mining setup, like uh, not in super complex, but not super simple terms either. I guess like the average listener kind of terms. Like how yeah. how did you uh, begin? Like was it just with like one miner and then you increased it? And, and is it mm-hmm. something you're doing like at home, like in your area? Or is it like something that you're outsourcing? So it'd be cool to hear about how that kind of thing runs. Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, so to the the short answer to your question is, I have a hosted mining uh, uh, business. So what that means is, um, I own the ASICs, I own the the machines themselves, um, but I pay hosting providers, hosting partners um, that are spread out all over North America, and I'm, I'm working with a, a a new hosting provider in South America. Um, uh, who actually run the data centers where my ASICs. Are. So I to answer your question, no, I do not have ASICs in my backyard. And the reason for that is because my electricity rate here at home um, prior to having solar panels was 13 cents a kilowatt hour, which is utterly uneconomical for Bitcoin mining. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, it, it would be it would be a money burning experience. Um, so uh, I look and, and a lot of times in, in the Bitcoin mining space, there are these kind of like almost like ideological fights between folks who who say no if if you're not running your own asics and if you're not plugging them in yourself and 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 getting your own purchase you know or a, a power purchase agreement from your utility provider you're that's that's not real mining right if somebody else is is running your computer that's not real mining and and to that I say the following. It's it's kind of like building your own house. Look, would I like to be able to build my own house, like nail it together myself, myself so that I know where every single nail and every single two by four in this whole building is? Sure. Do I have the capacity to do that? Do I have the... Uh, am I the lowest cost provider to do that? Absolutely not. It would take me five years to build my own house because I'm not good at it. So... Similarly, in the mining space, I would rather pay hosting providers who are, you know, professional data center, uh, 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 you know, companies um, to to host my my machines. Now, I get the the mined Bitcoin. I, I get the the the, uh, the what's extracted, you know, from the mining network directly to a a wallet of my own. But that's why I um, you know partner with with hosting companies. So to give your audience a little bit of a picture, there's these two kind of different, uh, two, two, two models of, of mining. There's hosted mining, and then there's like uh, uh, kind of self-mining, right? You, you, you buy an ASIC, you have it in your house, you plug it into your own power supply, and then you pay your utility provider uh, for the electricity that it, that it costs to run uh, that machine. But I, but I would venture to say that the majority of folks have far too expensive residential electricity rates to mine Bitcoin, you know, profitably. 
Gotcha. Yeah, and, and definitely from when I've spoken to people, people doing the like, in-person home mining, usually it's more of a hobby thing, more for the ideology mm -hmm. of like maintaining, um, yep. maintaining the network, which is awesome. And like those, yep. that, that is needed. And, you know, if anyone wants to do that, that's a great idea. And, and, and especially they can listen to like a podcast we've had in the past with both hosted and non-hosted mining companies describing in detail how to do it. And I would, and, and let me add this actually. Um, so I, I chose this mode of, of, uh, you know, entering into the mining space. Like I said, for my, my personal reasons were, you know, related to stacking sats and stacking non KYC stats, right. Sats for the rest of my life, um, devoting myself to the space entirely. But most importantly, I would say that going down this path of starting a, Bit a hosted Bitcoin mining company has led me down a different rabbit hole, which is the energy and power markets um, rabbit hole, right? So at this juncture, you know, in my journey, I now spend my time figuring out, well, st studying and then and then trying to figure out uh, ways to actually produce uh, uh, energy myself or own energy assets myself. Um, and in a country like El Salvador, it, this all might seem look. This all might seem very like eh, like profit seeky, like you know miners wanting to like multiply their riches or something. But um, what in fact mining does is incentivize the electrification of the world. I, I think if you look at a country like El Salvador that has a very fickle electrical grid and an expensive one, then they have a problem, right? The people of El Salvador have a problem. They pay too much for electricity and there's not enough of it, right? They have blackouts. There's It's it's a fickle grid, right? Bitcoin mining uh, can incentivize the development of new energy resources, right? So you can take uh, I, what was previously stranded or wasted energy or untapped energy in the form of geothermal energy or brand new sources of really, really efficient energy production like nuclear SMRs, nuclear small modular reactors. And you can place them in the literal wilderness in El Salvador, right? Where you now produce electricity where there wasn't electricity produced before. And you can do that economically because miners are the only industry who will actually suck up all that energy the minute you plug it in. And then what happens is, or what can happen, is that, you know, a Bitcoin miner, you know, uh, uh, funds the development of new energy infrastructure. Then they become the buyer, the user of that, the first user of that energy infrastructure. But then a country like El Salvador, who is leaning forward in this, in this, into this realm, says, okay, now we're going to build roads and bridges and schools and residential buildings and commercial uh, plazas near where you you just built this energy supply. And then the Bitcoin miners can simply step down as there are as there is real world demand for the new energy infrastructure, right? So mining can be an incredibly powerful catalyst for bringing power, like electricity, which we all need to thrive and have, you know, you know, uh, to, to, to have uh, good lives. Um, Bitcoin mining can be the catalyst, you know, one very, very powerful catalyst that can electrify regions of the world that just simply don't have electricity right now or or, or very strong uh, electrical grids. So I think that's part of like the vision of, you know, kind of the Bitcoin mining in industry um, is to help electrify and bring, uh, uh, um, uh, let's call it um, 
uh, human flourishing, you know, to parts of the world where there isn't much uh, right now. Yeah, and what you just said is uh, said it better than I ever could. Uh, is what most people need to hear, especially those worried about environmental impact and things like that. And a lot of people need to realize that you can't just store electricity forever in a battery. Like electricity leaks, and, and you know, and as you mm -hmm. said, you know, there's no incentive for great power structures in certain areas because there's not enough people to use the power. It's not economic. So mm -hmm. what you've just said, yeah, is, is really important. And it's, it's kind of what uh, Safety was talking to Jordan Peterson about in his podcast when he kind of orange pilled Jordan Peterson. You saw that light mm -hmm. go, mm -hmm. go on. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, you said it as good as I will. And that's probably the most important uh, sort of bit of the of, of this to, for people to hear. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we should leave it on this high note, honestly. But yeah. I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time, man, to, to come and talk to me about this, uh, hearing about like, kind of your life, how things have changed with you becoming on, uh, you know, living on a Bitcoin standard, how that mm -hmm. happens. Uh, how like the mining impacts uh, are gonna, you know, why it's such a good thing that this exists, how it can change. And then obviously how, you know, you live on crypto and, and how that can improve. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to yeah. sort of uh, say or any like, a, you know, Twitter accounts or anything you want to plug before, um, before we head out? Uh, sure. No, if uh, if anyone's interested in in uh, uh, following any any of the work that I'm doing uh, with respect to mining and, and El Salvador, um, I'm on Twitter at at Gerson Martinez. Um, my company, New Equity Group, is also on Twitter. It's not very active, but it's on there as well. It's at uh, New Equity Group. Um, and uh, yeah, I would encourage folks, look, I, I have a deep passion for uh, what's going on in El Salvador. So I would encourage your audience to explore uh, the country. You know, it's the first country to kind of leap forward into a Bitcoin standard uh, uh, at, at the nation state level. So I would really encourage your your, uh, your audience to think about uh, taking a visit, you know, to El Salvador uh, if you've never been there. Um, and also last thing I would say is uh, to thank BitRefill, honestly, for uh, the work that they're doing um, in El Salvador. And, and, and otherwise, right? Because as I described earlier, your product has really, really made a big impact on my kind of uh, personal ability to live on Bitcoin. So I'm, I'm really grateful for uh, Bit, Bit Refill. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Well, um, mm -hmm. yeah, honestly, thank you again for coming on. And uh, yeah. thank you everyone out there for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something new today. Hope you had a good time. And as always, we appreciate you.